Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Just wanted to uh, remind you next week is sort of a, uh, it, it's a, I'll say a summary, a review, question and answer, and a party. So I think it'll be like 95% party. Let's make it that way. Cheryl's here. She's passing around some things to write down. If you want to bring something, let's have a good time. And if you have any questions, make sure you write them down, turn them into Cheryl. We'll do our best to, uh, to answer them. Anything that maybe occurred through James 1 through 5 that uh, you have a question about. And we'll do our best to answer, all right? So that's all I've got to say. The rest of the day belongs to Noah. Well, good morning to everybody. And as uh, Pastor Pat said, next week is going to be uh, questions and answer time. And many of you have noticed that we have been doing every other week. So next week will be Pastor Pat's week. And so he'll be glad to answer any questions that you have. So just wanted to say that because we had a misunderstanding last week that I would be answering the questions. But, well, it's good to see many of you back. I know last week was kind of a snow day for many of you. But we had the few but the faithful here last week. And uh, if you'd like, we do have the handouts in the back. Um, You can still grab uh, week number nine if you'd like. And we do it on Wednesday night, so you can actually hear that session. Second week of December, I think it's the 11th, 11th of December, if you're interested in hearing that week. Oh, yeah, recording online as well. So you do have options if, you would, if you're interested in getting that week. And, um, well, let's get started. Let's pray as we open up the word this morning. Lord, thank you for James again, and thank you for week number 10. Lord, we've been able to get through this book In 10 weeks, but it felt a whole lot faster than that. Lord, just thank you for the faithful that have been here and been studying with us. And may today uh, be the same, Lord. May today be a day that uh, is important in our lives because we learn something more about you. Maybe a familiar passage, but something that we're able to take away and we're able to understand you better, know you better, and glorify you even more because of it. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week, we did talk a little bit about, um, well, the title was Better Things Don't Always Make Things Better. And we were talking about um, suffering and a warning to the rich. And as many of you know who've been here or have read James at all, it seems like the rich thing keeps popping up. And so this is our third or fourth round of talking about uh, the rich in one way or another. So he gives this warning, and he says that money and things won't make you more happy. And and in last week's handout, we had to answer, do do you think in your heart that money will make you more happy? And and I told the people that were at my table, I said, I know I'm supposed to circle no, but everything in my heart is telling me yes. And there's also the section, patience while suffering, and he tells us to persevere like Job persevere like Job. And I find it interesting today as we're going to be talking about God's healing and the prayer of faith. I find it interesting that right before this, 
James is talking about patience while suffering. Right? He's talking about persevere like Job. And then he tells us that, you know, now we're going to talk about God's healing. And we just heard last week that healing and wealth don't always make things better. So let's answer the question, does God still heal? Does God still heal, especially with that in mind? And so I wanted to talk real quick about the emotional state here in our country. And never before in America have more drugs been prescribed to help Americans with their emotional well-being than today. And never before have people engaged in more counseling and psychotherapy than they have today. Never have there been more treatment centers and psychiatric hospitals. Never have there been so much material online and DVDs, right, that you can even counsel yourself, self-help books. Never has there been more information on how to cope. Never have there been more recovery groups and small groups. And so with that information alone, you'd think that we are the most healthy we've ever been as a country. But there was recently a, a, a University of Michigan study that said 50% of Americans will experience a psychotic disorder during their lifetime. 50% is half. And a full third of all Americans will suffer with some symptom of a, of a psychiatric, or I mean a psychotic disorder this year. That's, that's one in three. <laughs> we have more of information available than ever before, yet people seem to be hurting more deeply than ever. And so I had to ask the question, why? How can there be so many ways to help us, but we're maybe more emotionally unstable than we've ever been? How does that happen? And I think the reason is because we focus a lot of our treatments on treating the symptoms of the problem rather than healing the wounds of our heart. So today I want to look at God's prescription for emotional health. God's prescription uh, for emotional health. And we're going to read uh, the first four verses in this section. So James 5, 13 through 16 says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. <clears throat> if they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. <laughs> so what we're going to do today is we're first going to focus on there's three types of prayers that are in this passage. And the first is prayer for oneself or prayer for yourself. We're going to be looking at, again, God's prescription for emotional health. The first one we see in uh, the beginning of verse 13, is anyone in trouble or is anyone uh, suffering? He should pray. So for our, our prescription, God's prescription for emotional distress is to pray. Whether you're doing bad, whether you're suffering, whether you're having a tough time, pray. And you know what? And if you're having emotional delight, he says, sing. Sing songs of praise different form of prayer. He says, regardless of what's going on in your life, 
pray. And so I do want to ask this question. What kind of prayers heal emotional wounds? What kind of prayers heal emotional wounds? And the prayers that heal emotions are called laments. Called laments. This is um, something that comes out of the psalm. And actually, it's interesting because everyone knows there's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. 67 of them are lament psalms. So that's well over, um, well over a third, almost a half of the psalms are lament psalms. And what, what characterizes a lament psalm? It's usually, when, it's usually David, and he's usually in trouble, right? Something's going wrong, and he's calling out to God, God, do you even see me? I'm a man after your own heart. You call me a man after your own heart, but I'm hiding in a cave with a king trying to kill me. And so as we read through many of the Psalms, we see David's raw emotions and, and other Psalm writers as well. God, are you even there? And I actually, I took a class in the Psalms and the, and the, professor, that I set, the, the, the professor that I sat under, he actually said, the reason that we pray Psalms is because you cannot heal what you will not name. You cannot heal what you will not name. And I found that very interesting. Um to address the problems in our life, even as David did. And trust me, God can handle it, right? You know, David is not, he's not really talking disrespectful to God, but he's very raw. He's very clear with his emotions and, and how he's feeling at the time. And I actually had another professor that says, God hears me say things that I'd never say in front of people, right? God, this guy was a lot more raw before God than he would be in front of any people. And so... As we're looking at lament psalms, um, there's, there's three characteristics that I want to point out um, that kind of make up a lament. The first is to recount your pain. You know, just as I said, David is reminding God, hey, God, I'm still suffering. Hey, God, I'm still running from my life. Hey, God, remember me, you know, the future king of Israel? How's that going to happen? Recount your pain. But it's not just a complaint time. It's also recalling God's character. David is not simply venting to the Lord. He's not saying, you know, I just need somebody to complain to real quick. First he gets his emotions out and then he says, but God, I know who you are. I know that you are faithful to rescue me. I know that you care about the righteous. I know that you're going to be there for me. And he's recalling God's character. And if simply all we do is complain and give our emotions to God, maybe that'll help a little bit. But what really helps is at the end when you say, you know, but I know who you are, God, and remind yourself and recall God's character. And then the third is resolve to trust him. Resolve to put, put your trust in God, even in the darkest of times, even in the most difficult of situations. And we actually have... Um, This is more of just kind of a resource bank here if you want. Um, There's different kinds of reasons that might bring emotional pain in your life. Depression, doubt, and circumstances. There's a psalm. Guilt, shame, and sin. Persecution, adversity, injustice, sickness, aging issues. There really is all kinds of different psalms that can help you express maybe your emotions to God. And it also helps you express it in a respectful way. 
in a respectful way to God. And so that's the first. That's the lament psalm. These are the kinds of prayers that can help heal our emotional wounds because you cannot heal what you will not name. The second one, what kind of prayer fills our emotional tank? And I would say prayers that fill us up are called praise, praise prayers. And just like, um, just like the lament psalm, there's characterized by three things. Instead of recount your gain, it's recount or your pain, it's recount your gain. Say, acknowledge the one who has given that to you. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you've given me. Recount your gain to the Lord. Recall God's character and resolve to thank him. So instead of pain and trust, it's gain and thank. That's the difference between those uh, two kinds of psalms. And, you know, some of us, you know, as you're going through the psalms, some of us maybe are not, you know, quite as emotional as even King David is. You know, I don't necessarily dance when I get happy, right? I just kind of smile. Maybe I'm a little bit more reserved than King David, but some of you probably loved reading through the Psalms. You love feeling what King David is feeling or the other Psalm writers. You love feeling. Go to the Psalms. See the emotions. Feel the emotions that, that David is experiencing, that anybody else is experiencing. And whether it's up or down, you can find it in the Psalms. There's all different kinds of prayers. So go to the Psalms. It's an easy way to pray. It's an easy way to stay on track while you're praying because you have something in front of you. Especially when I'm talking through my emotions with God, I can easily go off on a tangent and be complaining, screaming, and before I know it, I'm mad at something else. You know, sometimes it helps to have these Psalms in front of me and to go through it and to pray as the writer would have. So again, here's some resources for you. These are some examples when you feel good. When you feel good. Feel like uh, God has um, blessed you and you, you want to sing a song of praise to him. And I do want to quick remind you that um, there's three facts to remember. The first is that ups and downs are normal. Ups and downs are normal. So if you find yourself up one day, down the next, you think, man, you know, am I unstable or something? What's going on here? But I think going to the Psalms, we can see that the emotional up and down roller coaster is actually part of the human experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. Depends how we deal with those emotions. Um, the second is that emotional health demands, we move beyond the si- Sorry, I read that wrong. Emotional health demands that we move beyond silencing our symptoms. Right? We talked about the emotional state in America and how often we find ourselves just treating the symptoms. Instead of just silencing the symptoms, let's get to that root cause. And third, extreme wounds at times demand extended and specialized care. There are times, you know, no matter what season you're in, you can pray the Psalms, but sometimes there are extreme wounds that maybe might add extra care. So I'm not trying to say counseling and and medicines are a bad thing at all. Sometimes those are exactly what we need, maybe along with prayer. Pray first, medicine second. So that first section was, this is the kind of prayer for yourself. Whether you're having good times, bad times, pray for yourself. The second is prayer for the sick by the elders. And this is coming from um, verse 14. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him 
with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So this is a passage that, you know, as I was looking over the schedule for who's speaking on which section, this wasn't necessarily one that I was eager to tackle. Because this is a passage that, you know, people can, can pull in every direction and they can make it say what they want. All right, so I'm going to do my very best job today and, and stick to what I think is a faithful interpretation of the text. And so what I want to do first is I want to give three reasons for sickness in Scripture. The first one in, in 1 John 5 is sickness due to sin. This is where John is saying that there is a sin that leads to death. All right, there's sickness due to sin. Not all sin leads to sickness, and not all sickness is due to sin, but there is, in fact, sickness that is due to sin. The second reason is due to discipline. And if you've been around at Bethesda for more than probably two communion services, you know what this passage is. Right? We read this just about every single communion service, that if any, of, any one of you approaches the communion table in an unworthy manner, right, you'll be judged. That's what uh, Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians. So if you're eating communion in an unworthy manner, you're, you're going to be judged. You're going to be disciplined by the Lord. And maybe that can come in the form of sickness. We don't really know. He says some people have even died from that. The third, maybe this was a hard one to swallow, but sickness due to God being glorified. And in John eleven four, this is where uh, there's a blind man that is brought up to Jesus, and, and people ask him, why is this man blind? Who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, no, 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 nobody sinned. This is, in fact, due to God's glory. This man is blind for God's glory. So maybe that one's a little bit harder to understand, but that's uh, another reason that we see in Scripture for a certain amount of sickness. And so as I mentioned you know, there, this, this passage can kind of be twisted and pulled in different directions. I do want to give you um, some of the extremes, and I want to find the balance between the middle. So five views on healings. The first is the sensationalist. These are the faith healers seeking, up, seeking to build up their personal reputations, interested in the thrill. These are people that are going to tell you every single time you pray the prayer of faith, Immediately, you're going to have wealth, health, prosperity, all these things. A sensational view. That's not what we see in Scripture. The second is the kind of confession, the confessional, the name it, claim it, right? Speak what you desire into existence. These are sometimes people saying, you know, I can't admit that I'm sick because if I say that over my own body, I'm going to stay sick, right? And we see examples of people, this is really sad actually, that people will not be willing to admit that they're sick and they won't tell their family, they won't tell anybody, they won't even pray about it. And in fact, sometimes they, they stay sick or they even pass away because they're not willing to admit it. We see this confession of name it, claim it, speak what you desire into existence. This is not biblical. That was weird. Okay. 
Then on the other side, I don't know if it's the far left or the far right, the anti-supernaturalist. People just say that healing doesn't happen any longer today. I would say this is not biblical. And for it, the rationalists, these are the very, um, maybe the secular in society. There's no such thing as, actually, no, not even this, is more philosophical. There's no such thing as sin or sickness. It's all in your mind. There's nothing physical about it. So with those in view, I didn't give you a definition. What I want, I put a question mark. And what I want you to do is maybe take a minute, take a, take a couple minutes if you have to, to come up with a biblical view on God's healing before we talk about it. Talk about it at your table, a biblical view on God's healing. She is helping me out because the, the Wednesday episode. All right. Does any table want to want to tackle this question? Does any table want to say that they have a, a definition of God's view on biblical healing? Anybody out there? We, we came up with one Leonard and I. You, you can speak to it. Okay, Leonard. Um, it's Noah asking. It's just Noah, something. no worries. If you look for something, God will do it. Yep. Once in a while, or it used to be a while, just even. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So Leonard even has used his, his walker as a witness, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you have one back there, second table? Sure. Yeah. So, she, yeah. 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 So she says she has been healed miraculously a few times. And it doesn't matter if people say, no, he can't do that. She says, well, look at me. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, God does not give you more than you can handle. Yeah, sure. Yep, rains on the righteous and the wicked. So he has, <laughs> he, he got bit by a viper and he shipped him a snake up, but he was also stoned, left for dead, shipwrecked. <laughs> right. I mean, hey, you know, look at the great man of God who, yeah. he, he didn't get healed every time. Yeah, yeah. If anyone wasn't able to hear that, he said, look at Paul's life. You know, there was one time where he was bit by a snake and he was able to shake it off and he was fine. But what about the shipwreck? What about, you know, what about the stoning? What about all these other things that happened to him? Yep, in prison. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Maybe God even uses an operation. He uses the doctors to heal, right? All right, good. Yeah, did you have one? Yeah, sometimes sickness is used to teach us. That was a short summary of a great story. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think all these are very accurate, and I think they are very helpful. And, um, you know, since I kind of anticipate, you know, the question of like, all right, so if God can heal, why didn't he heal me? Why didn't he heal my friend? Why didn't he heal my spouse, maybe? You know, and so that's kind of what we're getting at. And so I think, you know, God heals but he doesn't always heal everyone physically now, right? Healing's not always instantaneous, immediate, or maybe even complete. And actually, if we look at uh, James 5.11, which was just last week, it says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. 
You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord has finally brought about. And even in the midst of that circumstance, it says the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So the steadfastness of Job, despite his diseased skin and everything falling out from under him, right? God still had compassion and mercy on him. So it's not always immediate or complete. And we're going to be talking about the tension that we have here over the next um, 30 minutes. <clears throat> so I want to ask a question. According to verse 14, what's the responsibility of the sick person? This is a very simple question. Yeah, did you have one? Yeah, trust. Yep. I think it's also call the church, right? Call the elders. Have them pray over you. Admit, I need prayer. Maybe that's harder to do for some of us, but admit that you need prayer. Yeah, and are you saying as far as, like, if a sickness comes on you? Yeah, and it does say, you know, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I think it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I think in that passage it's more talking about sin, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's a different situation. And I, like we say, you know, sometimes there's a sickness that might come upon you, that's even for God's glory. You know, I don't think that Job's problem was that he didn't resist the devil. I think the problem was that Job needed to learn a lesson that God was going to use through sickness. Resist those, the negative thoughts about somebody. Maybe resist the, the urge to speak out against them. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I don't think it's ever a problem to admit, I'm sick and I need prayer, though. You know, I think that's, that's, that's exactly what James says. Hey, if you're sick, call the elders. Call the church. Have them pray for you. That's why the body of Christ is here. So the elders of the church here on the fill-in-the-blank, are to pray and anoint with oil while offering that prayer in faith. So I want to ask kind of a question that's maybe a little bit, takes a little bit more thought. This is not something straight out of the passage, but if James says that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, why doesn't every prayer offered by elders end in immediate physical healing? Is anyone up to answering that question? God's timing is perfect. Mm-hmm. Right, God's not a genie. Sometimes he says no. Yeah. Yep, just shall live by faith.
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it says we have, a, we have a tendency to argue about the way that God wants to heal us. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the same passage where he tells them to go to the Jordan seven times, right? It wasn't the first, second, third, sixth time. Why do I have to keep going back the seventh time? Really, God? You know? Why doesn't it end immediately? And I think in this passage, you know, James is never saying, I promise you, you're going to be immediately physically healed. James is not saying that. In fact, it says that the Lord will raise him up, right? Even if one's not physically healed, the believer experiences ultimate healing the second that they're with Jesus, right? The ultimate healing. And when it says, you know, save the one that is sick, maybe it's a salvation that they need. It's referring maybe to sin at the time. And, you know, James even says at the end of verse 15, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven, So maybe this person might be sick with sin and the Lord will raise him up. And the question I want to ask, and I hope that you can say amen to, is is forgiveness of sin not the greatest healing? Right? Is forgiveness of sin not the greatest healing that we can experience? You know, if I'm sick, yeah, I want to be physically healed. But I'm more thankful that my sins are forgiven by, by Jesus because of what he's done on the cross and because of that, I have, I have security. And you know what? Whether my physical body starts to fail, I know what's going to happen to me whether I make it through this or not. Right? And that's, that's ultimate healing. That's healing of the spirit, maybe even more than the body. So my question is, should we give up on praying then if we're not going to be guaranteed physical healing? And I think what Paul would say is, by no means. Right? We see it all over his, his gospel or his, uh, his letters. You know, pray like God will heal, but it's his will that that's going to be done. And let us pray with faith, yet be willing to call God good, even if it looks different than our, than our own will. Right? Be willing to call God good, even if his will looks different than our own. And then so the last question in this section that I want to ask is if the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective... Do certain people or certain offices in the church have extra power in prayers? And the reason that I ask that is because he says, you know, call the elders of the church. He doesn't say, call your friends who, who attend the church. Do people have extra power in prayers? And there's even, Pastor Pat, I would imagine you've experienced this many times where, you know, there's, there are people that can pray for somebody, but they're waiting for you because you're the pastor, right? No, 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 I want to pray with the pastor. This is a big prayer. I need, somebody spirit, I need somebody super holy, super extra power. So with all due respect, we love Pastor Pat. He's a great man. But I'm asking, does... I've never walked he's never walked on water, right? Right? <laughs> Unless it's frozen, yeah. Unless it's frozen. So my question is, even maybe in this, does, does even Pat, Pastor Pat, is there extra power that if you go to, you know, Pastor Barry or Pastor Rob... You might only get 75% healing, but if you meet with Pastor Pat, 100%. Is that something that exists in the church? The prayer of the righteous man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> this is a relief. This is a relief for him. He's going to get a lot of prayer request calls over the next week. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, did you have something you want to say? Well, there's a, actually, this is, this is kind of a bummer because he does have extra accountability, but no extra power maybe, right? You know, just a couple weeks ago, we said teachers are going to be held more responsible. But I don't think we get the extra power, all right? So what I want to say, I wanna, what I want to say, I want to comment on this real quick, that, you know, Pastor Pat is our shepherd, Right As we read the New Testament, we have, we have a shepherd that we're supposed to be under. And though, you know, I don't believe that, you know, I believe there's an anointing on Pastor Pat's life. I believe that the Holy Spirit is empowering him to do his job and to do it well. Amen? 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 But God doesn't show favoritism. Right? We see that earlier in James. There's not maybe extra power that comes out of one person maybe than the other. But at the same time... You know, Christ anoints the leaders of his church. And he gives us gifts. Absolutely. Yes. And a shepherd is to take care of the sheep. So what I'm saying is we're not to ignore the structure that James has set up. Hey, call the elders. You know, there's a special anointing. There's a special calling on their lives. Don't ignore the structure that he's set up and the offices that are held in this church. But if there's an elder versus Pastor Pat, maybe on Sunday morning, and he's busy praying, but there's an elder waiting to pray for you, it's okay. It's okay. That person can still pray for you, right? And God can still work in that. Is there any questions on that? I know I kind of just opened up, you know, Pandora's box maybe on that, and I just, I hope that's clear, and I hope it seems respectful. <laughs> yeah, Antichrist will do miracles, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep. It says offer the prayer of faith, right? You're right. Yeah, sometimes you don't know what to pray for. Uh huh. Holy Spirit, intercede. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. Uh, I'll say, I, I can share a story from many weeks. People come up, the Holy Spirit leads them to pray. Yeah. And they don't need to be, and that person will say, Wow, you just prayed exactly what I needed. Yeah. The elders are set apart. We, we set apart 16 elders a few weeks ago, and we believe, you know, God leads us, and uh, that His Word says these things that they can use as a Yeah. And they take it seriously. Every Sunday that we want to pray at the altars of the elders, that type of Sunday, we take time beforehand too and ask them to prepare their hearts. Mm-hmm. Pray to God with us before we even go yeah. to the banks today. It's not something we just like, it's not trivial. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully everyone is able to hear. That's, that's wise, tough to summarize for me, but um, 
You know, this is not trivial that we have the elders up there. It's not like, you know, the pastors are busy, so we're going to bring up the elders to pray. It's not like that, right? They, they, have been, they have proven themselves as walking maybe a righteous life. You know, just as, you know, James is saying, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. They're not novices. They're not novices, exactly. So, right, I don't, I, I don't think, hopefully that's not in your mind, but I know a lot of people that, they really just want to pray with the pastor because they believe that, you know, maybe this prayer will really change the situation. And um, I, I don't think it has to be like that. I think, you know, call the elders. They're just, they're just as filled with the Holy Spirit and able to pray. All right? And that's why elders, you know, it takes time for them to become elders. They have to serve in the church and, yeah. 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 <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. So that was call the elders as they are to pray over the sick. That also doesn't mean that if you're not an elder, you can't pray for the sick. But this is just what James is telling us. The third type of prayer is to pray for others. The prayer for others. And I don't have uh, much on the, the um, handout here. <laughs> but in verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. All right, pray for others. doesn't matter who you are or what office you have in the church. Pray for others. And something that's interesting is it starts with a Therefore. Right? So he says, therefore, you know, since it's already happening, because of this, you know, since the prayer of faith by elders over the sick or sinful results and healing, whether physical or forgiveness of sins, still the best, which I still think the forgiveness of sins is the best healing that anyone could have. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Right? Therefore, since we're all in sin, confess and pray. And I, and I want to say that there's no room for disagreement here. There's no room to disagree with a therefore. All right? When there's a therefore, this is, the way that, this is the way that it is. So it says, confess your sins to one another. And, you know, find someone that you can trust and confess your sins to. You know, don't find the town gossip and tell your sins. You know it's going to be all over the city. Find somebody that you can trust. And, and I'll even say, don't just confess the easy ones. Get down to the nitty-gritty and share your sin and pray over this. But what I do want to say, and I think this was another part in James. I don't know exactly the verse, but be careful here. You know, this is, this is a warning as well. Actually, no, this is in Galatians. We're going to get there later. Don't cause another to stumble by sharing your sin, maybe in too much detail, but share it enough to end the isolation. Right? I had a friend in college that he wanted me to share the absolute down to the very detail of every single sin. And, and he wanted to do that with me too. And I found that as he shared his sin with me, it started to tempt me, right? That's exactly what Paul is going to say later. Don't do that, right? Confess your sins to one another, but don't tempt people with your sins. You know, get it off your chest, but you don't have to give it in vivid detail and depending on what kind of sin it is, all right? Um. Share it enough to end the isolation. That's what I say. 
Because isolation is the most powerful tool of the enemy. The devil wants to get you alone, cause you to sin, and then keep you alone. Because you're going to be stuck in that sin cycle forever. You know, isolation is where he can really get you uh, the most. And on the flip side of that, the prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Why would we not take advantage of others? Right? We always have sin that we're dealing with in our lives. Why would we not take advantage of this situation? He says, have them pray. Pray for others as well that they may not stumble. How often do you pray for your friends that they won't stumble in the ways that maybe they've confessed to you? Maybe that, maybe that they haven't confessed, but you just know. Pray for them. Let's not gossip and let's not judge them. Let's pray for them. Let's intercede on their behalf. Maybe, maybe by the prayers of us, maybe by our prayers, they'd be able to resist the devil. And James says it's powerful and effective, so why wouldn't you? So what I want to say is that physical healing is not guaranteed, unfortunately. However, the forgiveness of sin, 100%, without a doubt, promise, right? Every single time, forgiveness of sin will be extended to you. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you can take that to the bank, all right? Take it to the bank. So that's the third type of prayer. Pray for others. Very important. And so we're going to jump to the, uh, the last few verses here. James 5, 17 and 18 say this. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced, produced its crops. So with everything in mind, why do you think that James uses Elijah here as an illustration? Power of prayer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they love the lies. They're very, very much a credible statement. Yeah. Mighty prophet. And the reason I think those are, those are good, and Elijah is this mighty prophet, very much credible as James is speaking to, the, to these people. But I think also he's saying, you know what? Elijah was this great man, this great prophet. He prayed and the rain stopped. But guess what? He's the same human nature that you have. He has that same human nature. He prayed and it didn't rain. And as we're talking about the prayer of faith, as we're talking about praying to God, you know, Elijah wasn't even a special guy. He was just an ordinary man called by God. And in fact, I said he's not even anything special. He's a little weird, right? Elijah was like a peculiar guy. But he has that same human nature that we do. He prayed, God stopped rain for three and a half years. What could happen if we pray? What could happen if we pray? And this is what James is saying. He's saying, don't be afraid to pray. Look what happens when a man of God, an ordinary man, but a man of God would pray. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Pray like Elijah. The prayer is powerful and effective. So as, as we're kind of closing up this section, um, I have a... A story that I want to share with you just real quick. Um, my, my roommate had a, uh, he had a cousin, he has a cousin 
who has walked away from the Lord. And the reason that his cousin has walked away from the Lord is because a few years ago, her dad was really sick with cancer. And so he went down to the, um, I don't know which church, but he went down to the elders and they prayed for him. And one of the elders had like a word of knowledge and was able to tell him things that there's no way he would have known except that it's by the Holy Spirit. And this person went on to say, you know, and, and you're going to be physically healed. 100% you're going to be physically healed. So he had this promise of like, wow, these words that they spoke to me were true. And he expected to be healed. And he was telling his family that he was going to be healed. Just a few months later, he passes away. And so someone gave him these correct words of wisdom and then prophesied that he'd be healed, but then he died. And now his kids turned away from the faith. That's a, that's a tough story to understand, especially how did they hear from the Holy Spirit something may be correct, but then prophesy over his life that he would be healed and it never happened. And so what I want to do is I want to give three biblical models of healing. And the reason is because, as we defined it earlier, God is not always going to physically heal immediately. Maybe not at all. Because there's an ultimate healing that happens after, after death. But it's important to understand these biblical models of healing because we don't want to be caught up that if all of a sudden you, somebody prays for you or somebody prays for somebody in this church and they're not healed, that our faith is just, oh, God, do we, does God even exist? We don't want to ask that question. We want to understand the different ways maybe that God heals. And we can see them in the Bible. The first is in Acts 3. This is the intervention of God. The intervention of God. And maybe you know, this is the story of the lame beggar, right? Peter and John are walking by uh, this lame beggar, and he asks them for money. And they say, silver or gold we do not have, but what we have we give you. In the, name of the, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And immediately, this man's lameness was healed. He was able to get up and go. And though this is amazing, I, I would say this is not the common way that God heals. And this is the absolute intervention, right on the spot, healing. Intervention of God. The second is the interaction of God. And actually, I think we had a good example earlier that, um, you know, sometimes God works through an operation. God, inter God interacts with maybe those surgeons. And as we have more and more and more medicine, you know, I think God uses the interactions. And in fact, our uh, life expectancy in our country is, is getting higher and higher and higher. And I would say this is, this is the medicine that we have, right? It's working. Right? People used to die at 40, 50 years old. Now people are living to 90, 100 years old pretty commonly. You know, this is the interaction of God. And, and in 1 Timothy 5, you know, um, Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, man, you know, stop drinking water if your stomach hurts. Right? Drink a little bit of wine. Take a little medicine, all right? God created it. Don't deny yourself medicine in hopes for a miracle. Right? Use wisdom. Use wisdom. I wrote here, don't eat donuts and coffee all day and expect to live a healthy life, right? That's just for Tuesday morning and Sunday morning and Monday morning and Thursday morning. <laughs> but if you just eat donuts and coffee all day and expect to live a perfect life, you're kidding yourself, right? <laughs> you're kidding yourself. Use the things that we have. Use wisdom. It's okay to take medicine. It's okay to have an operation. 
God interacts with that. God is, and I think this is actually a weak, weak way of saying it. I think God is directing that, but, but God is in that situation. And then the third way, the third way, this is, <laughs> this is a tough way sometimes. This is the enabling of God. And if you know this scripture off the top of your head, 2 Corinthians 12, this is when Paul has the thorn in his flesh. Right? A man of God. If there was ever a holy saint, it was Paul. If there's a, if there's a man to model your life after, it's Paul. And Paul, has, he has ministered. He has gone on missionary journeys. He's planted churches. It feels like he's probably trying to keep plates spinning all over the world. You know, he's traveling all over trying to build each church up. But God gives Paul this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it is. And God said no to Paul three times after Paul asked for healing. The greatest, what I think is the greatest saint of all time, three times he pleaded with the Lord and God said, no, no, I'm going to enable you to work through this. And maybe this physical healing is not what is even good for the cause of gospel. It wasn't in Paul's life. You know, by his weakness, you know, God was able to be, God was strong. And it may be in your own life, it might be the same thing. For the cause of the gospel, which is hard to understand, the cause of the gospel, maybe physical healing is not what would even be good. But God will enable you, right? He'll never give you something that's more than you can bear. But it's, it's difficult. There's some tension here. Wait, was, wasn't I supposed to be physically healed? You know, didn't, didn't James say, call the elders and I'll be healed? Sometimes healing might look just like the enabling of God. And in fact, I think Paul probably learned a whole lot more through this situation than he did when he shook the snake off into the fire. All right? I think he learned a whole lot more about God and about himself. And so listen to this carefully. It's not always God's will to intervene. It's not even always his will to interact. Sometimes it's God's will to enable you right where you are. Sometimes it's his will to just enable you where you're at even right now today. So we just got a couple verses. Sorry, this is, this is good stuff. You know, it's hard to get through it. Good stuff. Real quick, what happens when Christians go astray? My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so what I want to point out here is that God has a two-part strategy for restoration here. The first is to pray for them. He said, you know, if somebody wanders away, grab them, pray for them. Pray for that person that maybe used to be here, maybe used to be at the Bible study, maybe used to be at the church. And you say, hey, I haven't seen that person in a while. Pray for them. You know, this whole passage is about healing, right? We've been talking about healing left and right. And what's the word that keeps popping up everywhere? Pray for yourself. How the elders pray? Pray for one another. And so what's at the heart of of people returning to God is that their heart becomes hard and the farther away they get, the more guilt and shame they feel, right? Have you ever had a rough time in your faith and you just didn't maybe feel like going to church for a while? You have that, that shame and guilt and it's actually like, you know what, I haven't been there in a while. People are gonna say something when I come back. You know, that shame and guilt builds up quick. They believe, I can't go back, I've already blown it and I've hurt other people and they believe all these lies about me. 
But really, who's the only one that can turn a person's heart back towards the God? And it's, it's the Holy Spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit. So pray. And I write this. I wrote this. Pray like their lives depend on it. Because they do. When somebody has walked away from the faith, pray like their lives depend on it. The second part of this two-part strategy for restoration is to uh, confront them. Care enough to confront them. And we see that even in this previous verse, you know, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways is probably, in a way, confronting them. But we also see in Galatians 6, 1 through 2, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, not you who live by the flesh, but you who live by the Spirit should restore that person harshly, no, gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burden, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. He says, you who live by the Spirit, you have to check our motives, right? Not for our selfish gain, but for their sake. Confront in love because God's law is love. And lastly, God does not hold a club, but he, is, he extends a hug, right? He's not, the, he's not sitting there with a, with a weapon ready to, ready to punish you, Rather, he extends a hug, and we see that in the prodigal son story, right? That son deserved nothing but to be a slave, maybe even to be a slave. I don't even know if he deserved that, but the, but the father came running at him, and that's our father this morning. So as we close up, you know, James tells us, to, tells us that if we're suffering, pray. If you're happy, sing a prayer. If you're sick, call the elders to pray. If you're in sin, confess your sins and pray. If a believer among you has walked away, pray. In case it isn't clear, James wants us to do what? Pray. He says that a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So let us pray for these things which he has mentioned today. You know what? I will admit, I plan to have a few minutes at the end here that we could pray. So for those of you who have to leave at 1030, it's absolutely no problem. I understand. It is 1030. But for those of you who uh, would be interested in prayer, I think that's a very fitting way to close out both our 10th week and our entire uh, section here on prayer. So um, I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know how it's going to look, but I think it would be a pretty cool thing if, if we could circle up and pray. If there's different needs on your heart, we would love to pray for you. Um, that's up to you. That's that's time for your response. But we're going to close in prayer, and then, um, again, if you'd like to pray, please stay afterwards. Lord, thank you for this message from James, and we see the, the need for prayer, Lord. If we're happy, sad, hurt, sick, Lord, if somebody's walked away, the answer is prayer. The answer is to talk to you about it. Lord, you can handle our laments. You can handle our praise. Lord, and you desire our praise. And, Lord, we understand that, Lord, as we pray for healing... Sometimes you're willing to extend that physical healing immediately. And we thank you for that. Lord, you're a God of the miraculous 2,000 years ago, just as much as you are today. But Lord, we also understand that your will can be very different than ours at times. And even when we don't understand it, you are a good and faithful God. And we're willing to call you good, even if your will looks a whole lot different than ours does. And Lord, that's easy to say, but when we don't believe it, help us to believe that. And Lord, we pray this in your name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.